Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What is up? I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of comics that have come out this week. Let's kick it off with a big one. Black Panther, number one from Marvel, written by Eve L. Ewing, art by Chris Allen. This is a very different take on Black Panther. He is no longer the king of Wakanda, but he is still the protector of Wakanda. He is basically the Mm, vigilante of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about this kickoff issue? Well, first off, I'd like to uh, talk about the the new uh, fit, the new costume. Uh, I really like the look of it. It's very cool. It's got that kind of like one shoulder piece that looks very cool and kind of like these a uh, 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 little bit more uh, claw action. So I was feeling it. I feel like that they did a good job of it for first-ish, kind of like setting up a new Black Panther, new tone, new look to it. Uh, Do you I was think impressed. it's for a specific left uh, shoulder protection, or is it more of a ornamental piece? Well, you know, it could be a couple of things. You know, maybe he favors, you know, the left's a little slower than the right, so he needs a little extra protection there. Who knows? You know what I mean? Maybe it's an Achilles situation. Oh wow! You know? Oh yeah, no, I got you. Uh, that could be. That could mean so many different things. Uh, meaning that's a we- the weakness. That yes, he, that's uh, his weakness. Famous like if, heel. If Black Panther gets stabbed in the left shoulder. That's it for him. Mm, well, interesting. Uh, I I like this take. I honestly wish it would push out, and it probably will push out a yeah, little further. Will. Like I I like the idea of Black Panther sort of in a um, having to go from like the prestige and power of the king down to like almost like a, a the way Captain America had the nomad period, wandering, really discovering the country that that he represented, and I think Black Panther seemingly it feels like that's what uh, he wants to do here sort of reconnect with different parts of the country and i read the back matter here that that el ewing put in and like it seems like that's a direction and i just want to like get there uh asap because that's a super uh, that's a place we haven't seen black panther really play well this is also a place i'd throw out that we haven't seen wakanda before or at least we've seen it but it's usually an aerial shot of wakanda and then we're like and now we're in the palace and we're focusing on the palace intrigue and the stuff that's going on here so the idea of taking black panther and putting him on the ground level not in new york which has happened before but in wakanda and actually showing what the afrofuturism of wakanda looks like that's really interesting to me. Like yeah, you, you want to see, you want to see the Delaware of Wakanda. Exactly. Like, what is that like? And what is the, the Delaware water gap of Wakanda? Oh, oh nice. yes. Yeah. Or, or there's a nice uh, Brandywine River Valley area of Wakanda. You know <laughs> what I mean? At, uh, look at all these, look at these regions we are dropping. Uh, and if yeah. you could just put those on a map and point out how we all have different ideas but about places. To bring it back to the comic, I think this is a great first issue, kind of setting up this new status quo and getting you excited for more. So I think it does a great job of that as a first-ish. 
And I also like we get at the end here a little bit of um, a sort of touch on another part of the Marvel universe. And I also think that is an interesting way to sort of, you know, branch out from the usual Black Panther stuff. Well, let's talk about branching out and big, big spoiler warning here right up front. We're going to talk about Void Rivals number one from Image Comics, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Lorenzo DeFelici. Now, we have heard for months at this point that this book is kicking off a bigger shared universe for Image Comics. They haven't said what it was. I will say it leaked online about a week ago at this point, so you might know what it is already, but if you don't want to know, definitely turn away. But the basic idea of this book is two folks that are from races that absolutely hate each other. Oh, man. Hatfields and crash landed on an alien planet together. Will they be able to work together enemy mind style to get off the planet? I guess we'll see what happens. (laughs) Kind of like a A fresh ref. A fresh ref. Yeah, you are. That is not only not fresh. That is what segment of the population. If we could get <laughs> anybody who knows what Alex is talking about without Googling to please send us a direct message. Well, and that's the big thing. Twitter. This is a bigger shared universe with eminent enemy mine and the last starfighter are both finally brought together due to fan demand. I'm fingers crossed. Issue two is going to bring in crawl as well. And we're going to get all those fantasy and sci-fi movies that people barely remember. Don't from fucking talk about crawl, dude. I love crawl, man. Yeah. He's got yeah. the glaive. He's got the glaive. I oh, love yeah. the crawl secret invasion. We're going to get coming up. In, oh, uh, yeah. The big reveal here I hope is that, that these guy two is people be there. are the main characters, but this is a bigger shared universe with, Bum, bum, bum. Transformers, Transformers and reportedly G.I. Joe as well, though they do what? not show up. I know oh. in this book. Uh, now, Image Comics got the license for both Transformers and G.I. Joe a while ago from IDW. We haven't known what they're going to do with them. Now, I guess we know. Uh, yes, now, here's Pete, the thing. questions. Hold on. I, Pete I has a question, question first. I had yes. a question for you guys because... Uh, Are Transformers more than meets the eye? No, yes. I'm not no. going to ask something dumb. No. What I'm asking you, because I freaked out when the cap- cameo happened in the book, um, and I was having a hard time like getting back to the story, because after that I was like, no, fuck you guys, and this story I've seen a million times. Like All of a sudden, uh, Jetfire's here, and I'm losing my effing mind. Like... Uh, That was was really fun and such a left turn. I didn't know that going in. And it was like such a kind of like just something I didn't expect. I was like, oh, here we go. These two people who can't get along. They hate each other, but they're stranded. They have to work together. But all of a sudden, Jetfire shows up, transforms, and just is like, I got to get to Cybertron. I was like, oh, no. uh, Actually, uh, Cybertron is a drug. You you shouldn't. Oh, man, he's gone. And so it was really, uh, I was just like, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, And then I was like, oh, no, it's. It's all over. I'm not going to see Jetfire again. Well, let me say, I mean, I bet you will. I I agree with you, Pete, because I actually, I really like this first issue. I like these characters. I I love the first issue, yeah. Robert Kirkman has a great just command. This guy can write. I don't know if you're aware of it. 100% of dialogue specifically, which I think it was great. And I'm curious to read more of this. The Jetfire stuff, I was like, what is this? Weird oh. detour, and like, you didn't have Jetfire growing up, dude. You didn't have Jetfire growing up. No, I probably did. There were a lot of planes that transformed, so like, <laughs> it's hard to yeah, really I mean, say. Star screamed. Yeah, but Jetfire was a good guy who was a plane. Normally, the planes are the bad guys. I mean, come on, dude. 
Yeah, planes I, are generally bad. I agree bad. with Pete, frankly, that the Transformers cameo was distracting. Uh, That's what I was trying to say. Pete kept screaming over top of me like sure. some sort of star just, scream. Just the whole idea of it felt like a very special cameo of the book, and maybe it'll pan out in a different way. It probably will as they continue to explore this universe because we're literally on just a small patch of one planet the entire time. But the whole idea of having a Transformer show up and be like, oh, man, there's a Transformer here, and him being like, I have to go back to my home planet. Goodbye. I was like, what is going Very You're not going to up with them? What is happening here? Also, if they're in a universe with Transformers, how the fuck do they not know what's going on? Wouldn't they be like, yo, uh, Cybertron is gone, dude. Like, they should be able to give him some key information instead of, like, you know, he just flies off and they're like, we're stranded here. Um, I mean, I will say, like, I think he's been there for, I think he says, millions of years. Yeah, millions of years. It seems like he's maybe, it's been a while. Yeah, I think this is the far future of the Transformers universe. And basically it's going to be, if they do work at G.I. Joe, presumably a bunch of uh, dusty skeletons because it is. That'll be fun. And they transform into piles of bones. Dude, I hope it's snake eyes. How does it work, though, with a Transformer? Because I know the value of a Transformer, like, drops intensely when you drive it off the lot. So, like, I feel like millions of years. I don't know if these these old junkyards are going to be worse. It's hard to get the joints to transform. Like, you're trying to twist it, but they're all rusty and dirty. It's it's awful. Yeah, uh, nobody wants that. Yeah, this is fine. I was fine with this. I, I like the art particularly, but the whole storyline felt to me, like, very – uh, very racism after school special to me. So I need to see a little more of this world and what's going on here before I'm sold on this book. It, it was a little, I, I agree with that, but I, I do think it was, it's a little saga esque. Uh, like I think this is, they're going to be, that was sort of what I was thinking throughout it. This is a little bit more, they're saying the obvious part first, mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to just sort of getting into the characters first. But again, that's why I think the transformer reveal was sort of such a strange sitch, but like, imagine uh, you're, you're in your, you're in, your life, and you're like, oh, gotta go to work, and your car's like, hey, nope, not today. I gotta go drive away. <laughs> like, I'd be pissed. I think I'd be like, I think I just found the transformer. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's there what would I'd be. Say. Now I'd start looking for Energon. Is that a Shia? No, that was uh, Mark Wahlberg. But wow. a bad Wahlberg, very wow. bad one. All right, well, that's why well, I thought it was Shia because those two people don't sound alike. <laughs> okay, so let me just get back to the book for a second. Yes, no. I had seen this trope before. I I wasn't like oh I I was still very much enjoying this book. I think what so be I'm interesting, sorry, racism isn't important to you. Is that oh what you're God. saying, Pete? No, that you're like, shut racism up. isn't an issue. It's not well, an issue. It's been solved at this point. Is no, that what you're that's saying, not Pete? what I'm saying. What I'm because trying I to think it's important. Sometimes people are the same deep down, even though they hate each other. You know, I don't know if you learned Thanks, that lesson. Thanks, Whitey. I really appreciate you laying it out for me. Listen, what I'm trying to say is this. What I think he's trying to do, instead of talk about racism, I think what he's trying to talk about is a little bit of the political divide in the country where people who are the mm. same getting sold different bills of goods. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like. They take their hel- – they're like, we're enemies, we're enemies. They take off their helmets. They're exactly the same. They're going to yeah. find out they've been lied to their whole life, which is a very kind of interesting kind of thing that I think is a little bit more updated now. Uh, but I also think the twist of the – they're in the Transformers universe and also the G.I. Joe universe is going to be interesting to see how this is all coming together. I think Kirkman is really challenging himself with – uh, um, trying to weave a bunch of different stories at once. 
Uh, I'm very much on board. I was super blown away by this book and very excited to see how this is going to work. So far, I'm completely on board. So does that mean you think like racist snowplow, that famous G.I. Joe character is going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing racist snowplow. For some reason, I just thought of, I saw it like Homer and his snowplow company or whatever that episode. I was. actually it's, thought you were going to say the Transformer racist snowplow. It's weird that they <laughs> named two different characters the same thing. Yeah, I think yeah. they're basically GI Joe and Transformer. And also GI Joe, similar it's no names. Job. Yeah. It's Do GI Joes ever transform into cars? Does that happen, Pete? I, I'm not familiar with the franchise. Oh my god, I hate you. Next they comic. Trans- they transformed. <laughs> that's not how the show works. Next comic. PK just, you're, swipe Pete's right. trying to swipe. Right. swipe yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pete swiping right on this comic. Uh, what I was going to say is, um, GI Joe's transformed from knowing half the battle into mm-hmm. knowing the whole battle. Right. Oh, okay. Knowing this is, is cool. Half I'm the into battle. this. I love this. Huh? I love this book. This is my favorite. Book it's of all it's time. also very funny that GI Joes are like, "I'm Snow Job," and Transformers are like, "I'm Starscream." We're all compound words, <laughs> <laughs> except for Optimus Primal. DC Pride through the years, number one from DC Comics, written by William Messner, Loeb's Greg Rucka, Steve Orlando and VA Yala, Tim Sheridan, art by Greg LaRock, J H Williams III, Jamal Campbell, and Sian Tormi. Now, this is a very different Pride collection for DC. It is. Collecting three issues and one original story, I believe, kicking off an upcoming Green Lantern story. But the first three are all taken from the DC archives. They're all what they consider seminal stories that involve characters from the LGBTQ plus community. So the first one is about Pied Piper coming out to the Flash yeah. back in the day. The second one is an issue of Batwoman. And the third one is an issue of Supergirl where she has a friend who is non-binary, I believe, or trans, uh, who she is getting bullied and she deals with that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not that I was trepidatious about this, but we read so many books. I was like, oh man, three whole comics. I don't know about this. I love this collection. I thought these comics were really good. Even the ones that I yeah. read before, I was very happy to read again. Um, yeah. And it's great teams working on great stories. So I'm happy it exists. I, I agree. I think that this is a great package. It's a great collection of stories. You get, you know, 76 pages, four full stories. Uh, I, I just think the, the intro letter was great. The, I love the DC Pride logo they put on it. I, I think this is a really cool collection of stories. And I'm glad that uh, DC is proud enough of the work to kind of just uh, showcase some of the stuff that they've done. Well, and, you know, they're... Through the further back you go, there weren't a lot of stories that featured yep. uh, characters from the LGBTQIA like community. So, like to have that, the fact that they were like, "Here's some," and they actually are good. So, like I, I agree with you, Alex. I was sort of like, "How is this going to go?" Uh, and they, these are good, especially like the Batwoman story. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, it's just such a good book. Oh, I was like, I, like, oh, I got to go so back great and to reread. Go back. Yeah, that woman is yeah. such a good book. Yeah. Well, it's so also interesting the, to look at the development of it, particularly the jump the from the Flash story to the Batwoman story, because the Flash story is about Pipe Piper coming out. He's a good guy in this part of the continuity. He's hanging yeah. out with the flash on the roof and the flash is like, I don't know. Do you think the Joker is gay? Uh, you can always <laughs> kind of tell. And Pipe Piper's like, really? You always, you can always tell because I'm gay. And the flash like freaks out and runs away and goes on a whole adventure with Superman. And at the end, 
uses Pied Piper as a friend. He's hanging out with him and like putting his arm on his shoulder and everything. And it feels like this very 80s, 90s, like gay people are cool. Eh? Yeah. Thing, it's still a fun story, and it's not insulting or anything like that. But it's very silly. Versus but it's a little the, on the edge. It's a little exactly. right there. It's, the idea of them being like he's a joker, gay. I was like, what is this <laughs> about to say? It's not as bad as, and I know I bring up this example all the time, but it's not as bad as the door star coming out issue from yes. Alpha Flight, which is like uh, boneheaded. But seeing that jump going for Batwoman, where it's just it's part of her character, it's who she is, and it's part of her world. It's kind of amazing to see that progression. Well, and like you're saying, yeah, the progression, the maturity, maturing that happens over the course of these three issues is like almost like a breath of like a sigh or just like, ah, okay, this is okay. Well, leading into this new story of Alan Scott, Green Lantern, where it was established a couple of years back that he is gay or bisexual. I honestly don't remember which, but regardless here, we're getting to see him in a relationship with somebody back in the day, and that's kicking off this Green Lantern storyline. Again, it's very much a part of his character. It's very much a love story, and you can see that arc of where we're going, and it's very nice. So it's celebratory. Let's talk about another celebratory pride issue. Marvel Voices Pride number one from Marvel, written by Mary Chiefo, um, Marike Nijkamp, Stephanie Williams, Catherine Locke, Shadi Potoski, Sarah Gailey, H.E. Edgemon, Stephen Byrne, and Steve Fox. Art by Pablo Collar, Hector Barros, Joanna Estep, Roberta Ingradza, Bailey Rosalind, uh, Lorenzo Sussi, Stephen Byrne, and Rosie Camp. This versus the other one is all original stories and it is mostly wild like there's some yeah. crazy stories oh in here. yeah there's some fun in here it's 92 pages so it's a little bigger uh but man there's a lot of big swings in here which is great to see i feel like this is a great kind of and all the letters <laughs> pages between the stuff is really touching and cool interviews yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Very cool. and and it's also like um just I, I like to see this where they're trying stuff, they're doing stuff, they're pushing stuff. So I felt like it was a it was a cool collection. Uh, yeah, just to highlight a couple of them, I really like the Gwenpool story, the Black Cat and Gambit story. I thought was good. Mm-hmm. And what I like about these is they're very much like in continuity. These characters are they're not just like sort of like side, like side stories. Like this is like all very much part of the main Marvel universe, which is very cool. I also like the Hulkling. Uh, oh yeah, as well, and there was really cool. So, a uh, nice anthology that t- touches a lot of different pieces of the Marvel universe. Next up, Battle Chasers number ten from Image yeah. Comics, written by Joe Madura, art by Lud Lullaby. We talked about this on the live show a couple of weeks back. There's been an enormous gap between Battle Chasers number nine and Battle Chasers ten finally coming out. Pete, you seem pretty excited about this one, so take it away. Yeah, worth the wait, man. I just I, I really love this art style. Super tight bananas. I love all the action and adventure. Or, you know, I'm a sucker for giant weapons. So, yeah, this really kind of hits a sweet spot. And I like the kind of art style it has to it. Um, Yeah, I thought this was just kind of a fun action adventure, just kind of like popcorn movie type of thing. You know what I mean? It's interesting. um, Joe Madureira, like, is the known as an artist who's the writer on this. And Lud Lullaby is sort of doing a a Joe Madureira style. Right. Uh, So, like, that... 
And that's switcheroo, cool. man. Just switch it's it up. A classic you know I mean? switcheroo. Yep. And this story, I feel like, is very much like, oh, these are like a classic Final Fantasy role-playing game uh, characters in the world, which when Battle Chasers first came out, I think it was like, oh, this is cool. And now we've seen so many books that uh, use that same sort of world building and uh, sort of character spread, given the rise in like Dungeons and Dragons and sort of finding that role-playing game universe in comic book, mm-hmm. comic book worlds has been such a thing. So I'd be curious how this is going to move forward and differentiate, differentiate itself from these other books that have come out since Battle Chasers was begun. Now, let me ask you, do you think the switcheroo happened because one of them was talking shit and they're like, oh, yeah, you think you could do this? And you're like, yeah, actually, I could. And they're like, all right, let's see. Let's switch. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is sort of run by like bets and gambles and sort of like weird. Uh, yeah. That's how right. we that's how we got started on a weird dare. Exactly. We went yeah, to double dare. podcast. We were, yeah, all, we were paired on double dare and then started doing this All podcast. right. We'll take the podcast challenge. <laughs> podcast for 18 years? When okay. Is, when is that going to end, by the way? When is that going to end? Exactly. I, as far as I know, physical challenges on double dare are for life. Yeah. I've had for for the past uh, 16 years, I've had a uh, bucket of slime over my head. So Just don't say that word, man. Which no, word? Different show. Which different show? Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I well, I keep finding flags, different joke. tiny flags, and different weird, gross stunts that I do in my daily oh, life. Yeah. Mm. Like I pick a giant nose, and there's a flag in there. <laughs> nice Spider Man India number one from Marvel, written do that, by Nikesh Shukla, art by Abhishek Sunny. This is clearly picking up off the success of Across the Spider Verse. Spider Man India was a character that was brought to prominence in there, and uh, yeah. Following his adventures, Pete, you seem excited about this one as well. Yes, this is my new Spider-Man because I I finally get what Marvel is doing. They're tanking uh, the regular Spider-Man so that Spider-Man India can step in and be the main focus for Spider-Man. I think it's a great idea. I think it's smart. I agree with it because Spider-Man India is awesome. It's a great character. I thought like this was a fun book, and now I finally see what Marvel is doing. You know what I mean? They were like, listen. We have this very successful character with this relationship that works really well for a lot of people. We're just going to kind of uh, uh, haphazardly make some stupid mm-hmm. decisions about it. And totally. then set up 100%, Spider-Man yes. India. It's a brilliant move. And I don't know why I didn't see it coming. And it's paying off nicely. For part two of Pete's nonsensical Spider-Man rant, please stay tuned for our review of the recent Spider-Man issue. Thank but you. as far as this one goes, I think this is uh, fun and fine. The yeah. Spider-Man um, from India in the Spider-Verse movie is so much more fun and wild. And this book is taking No spoilers, dude. Come on. Some of us haven't seen it yet. This is the only thing we know. So no, I, it's, it's not as... You, it's you not host a, a comic book show and it's been over a week. You're out of your oh, go fuck age. yourself, dude. No, it's, no, it's, you get more than a week sorry, to see a movie. Absolutely, no, people do. You do not. Oh, and Ooh. it's not it's not a devastating Sorry. spoiler to say something is fun. <laughs> I can just say <laughs> particularly uh, spider Man. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let me just I say going spoiler. In, this Spider-Man character makes some jokes at this movie. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. But I just to to see see the character in that movie and then come to this, which is just, you know, it doesn't have that same energy was a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we'll get there, but uh, it just feels like I'm ready for this to be less of a 
in canon Spider-Man story and something that is a little bit more reflective. I, I agree with you on that. I generally, I like the characters here. I like the situation. Um, but yeah, fun. it needed a little bit of that energy from the movie. Pete, you haven't seen the movie, so you wouldn't know what we're talking about. I wouldn't about know, right but man. Right you haven't seen the movie? Just some noob. I, well, I felt no, like it to was To be clear, enjoyable. to be clear. Justin, Pete, you can't say shit. No, 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 you took like on, years on. to see whoa, some whoa, movies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go I'm Pete, yourself. I'm going to defend you here. Calm down for a second. Pete wasn't able to see the movie on opening weekend because the kid that he was sitting for didn't want to see it, and that extends forever. <laughs> yeah. That's a lifetime. <laughs> You're just bad. Uh, I also feel I, like they missed a little bit of a bet, and this is obviously not the sort of thing you can predict, but I'm sure they had a discussion of, like, Spider-Man and Diaz going to make a big splash. It's a big feature character to cross the Spider-Verse, let's get a comic out. The one that everybody cared about was Spider-Punk. Like, that's the one that everybody is ah. freaking out about right now. They should have released a Spider-Punk issue this week, but whatever it is, what it is. Dude, they, they must have this a was Spider-Punk a great, coming. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man India was a great f- first issue. I'm very excited for more uh, for people maybe who haven't seen the movie yet. I think this is a very enjoyable book. But if you have seen the movie, it's bad. Let's move on. Xeno number one from the <laughs> Oni Press, written by Melissa Flores, Phil Hester, Jordan Thomas, and Christopher Condon. Art by Daniel Irizari, Phil Hester, Shaky Keane, and Nick Cagnetti. This is a absolutely wild sci-fi yeah. anthology. I, I don't know. How would you how would you characterize it? I would describe this as uh, there's a little show coming back in uh, a scant couple days from right now called Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you can, and it's only five episodes in this um, sort of season of Black Mirror, so you're going to blow through them quickly if you're like me and a fan of it. This is a great thing to read if you want to fill the gap between it the, now and when it comes out, or if you want to fill the inevitable much longer gap <laughs> after you blow through all of Black Mirror and need some more of those style stories, because this is like interesting sci-fi uh, stories standalone that um, have like a dark edge to them and are in general interesting, yep. weird and funny. Yeah. I think this is kind of like a tripped out uh, maybe uh, hitchhikers to the galaxy type of stuff. I mean, the, the whole kind of like, you know, rabbit in the brain thing was just awesome. That was just uh, very ice cream man adjacent. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. I mean, there's a, this is just a really cool, interesting collection of stories. Some of them like really freaked me out. That whole like eyeball thing with the night. Oh dude. Oh, I don't want to think about that image anymore. That really, it really got to me. This is great. If, like you're saying, if you like creepy anthology stories, this is definitely a must pick up. The art is gorgeous and weird. Yes. It harkens back to like, I don't know, I'd say the indie comics of the 80s and 90s in particular, like a raw mm. style thing. Like so, a zine. Like a zine. Yes, it's like a yeah. zine. Yeah, so I don't know if it was just like uh, a cover or whatever, but that one where it's like a machine, but there are all these like... Uh, kind of humans inside that were like stuffed on top of each other. It was so creepy. Think about weird. it. Oh. Think about it. Oh, man. Let's want to talk about Doctor Strange number four from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Andy McDonald. This issue is moving the focus from Doctor Strange of the title over to Wand which is this magical organization oh, that is anchored by Wong and a couple of other people in the M... I was about to say MCU, in the Marvel Universe. Um This book continues to be a blast, even when Doctor Strange mostly isn't on screen. Did you guys have as much fun as I did? 
I yes, did. Yes, I did. Oh, good. Chad McKay continues to crush. I'm in the tank and have been for a while. This book is is a little funnier than the first three issues. I thought this one, like we get a, some jokes about uh, collective action, uh, unionization, which I think is topical in a fun way. I love sort of right after that, Ghost Rider shows up and is like. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. vengeance yeah. for these guys. Like, and like we yeah. already did it. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, I rode right. for so long to get here. Like, you guys can fly, but I got to drive. Like, this is tough. I, I, yeah, like this, I agree. I, I, I like this one team that features um, maybe almost the characters from Soul, Pixar's Soul, driving around a ship. <laughs> what? Okay. Remember in Soul? Yeah, there's yeah. the uh, the subconsciousness where there's like the yeah, yeah, Captain yeah. Trip guy driving the ship. Yeah, that character is literally in this comic, and they drive a ship through the world. That's hmm. hilarious. Guess I gotta watch uh, that movie again. I don't. I don't remember. I, 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 I there's, a, there's a whole big bunch of the movie where they go into. Oh, there's like Tina Fey and the guy who plays jazz. Oh my god, man, you're you, wow. Wow! Do you even watch, what, how many? What, are you watching it on like ten x speed so you don't <laughs> pay attention? I don't. I don't want any spoilers. That's the thing. All right. Anyways, wow. getting back to no, this comic. No spoilers for Soul. All right. I've anyways. only seen it one time and I don't remember it. Okay, great. The comic <laughs> though that we're talking about is really great. I also love all the uh, respect that Wong gets. Like that one guy who's like, "Yeah, whatever," and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm Wong." Oh, shit, my bad, man. I'm sorry. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I thought it's funny because sometimes there are books, and, and maybe we'll get to talking about this later, that have a title, and you think like, "Okay, it's going to be about this character," but it ends up being about another character, and it can be very upsetting, especially if you're like uh, a setting kind of like a. Uh, you know, saying, okay, you buy this book, you're thinking you can get Doctor Strange. It was great that Doctor Strange wasn't in this. You didn't really need he him. He pops up. Yeah, he pops up. Uh, but I just well, feel it's like, like... In your normal day, you don't see your doctor every day. Strange. I do. Anyways, my point <laughs> being is you don't mess them. This was such a fun choice. And I'm glad that they're doing creative stuff like this because it really paid off nicely. Doctor Strange is your primary care physician, Pete? Is that what you're implying here? Yes. Wow, you must. Have I actually, I go to Doctor Doom. Doctor Strange isn't covered it by plaid. <laughs> I got a Doctor McGillicuddy. Oh no, what have I done? Do you feel like you want to hear Wong be called Wongers in this? No. When are we going to get Madison with right? a Y and not where you expect? That's what I want him in the next issue of Doctor Strange. They keep teasing. They're going to get back to Doctor Strange. Never get back to Doctor Strange. Bring in Madison. I will say instead. of all of the the She Hulk series. Uh, Right, that was that yeah. what that was in. Like, yeah, sure. I feel like Madison is ready to enter the comics realm. I agree. Agreed. Agreed. Waller versus Wildstorm, book two from DC Comics, written by Spencer Ackerman and Evan Narcisse, art by Jesus Marino. You know exactly what it is from the title, but you where know the what first, it is. You know what it is from the what first is. issue where Waller was on the offensive. Here she's now on the defensive oh, against okay. the Wildstorm universe, or is she? Of course she's not. She's Amanda oh, Waller. Oh man, and things Amanda go terribly Waller. wrong for our Wildstorm heroes by the end of this issue. What do you think about this one? This has got that 90s art vibe. You know what I mean? Like it is uh, is very stylistic, which I appreciated. I thought that was very fun. Uh, yeah, I thought I loved what's happening in this. The, I, I thought that just the, the team, everybody kind of working together. This was a lot of fun for a book. I'm enjoying what they're setting up and how they're hopefully going to pay it off. 
I feel like there's a comic uh, also on the stands that we've talked about a lot called Local Man by Tim Seeley that takes sort of the image 90s characters and uh, Hawkeyes them in the Mm. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did. The Matt Fractionization of the image world. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I love that comic, Local Man. This is taking like 90s. Wildstorm characters and almost prestige drama in them. Like it feels very or procedural sort of high end procedural. And I also enjoy this. Like I feel like there's a lot of big ideas here at the same time. We're getting just like random wild stormy (laughs) nineties, Rob Liefeld esque folks show up and you're like, who are these dorks? And they don't really say, (laughs) and then they fight and it's great. So it, it's doing a, a good version of, of what I, I wouldn't expect this book to be this great at doing what it's doing. Mm. Click, click, boom. Number one from Image Comics, written by Doug Wagner, art by Doug Dabs. This is another absolutely wild book from Doug Wagner. Um, hard to describe other than there's a lady who's going around and taking Polaroids. There's a whole conspiracy going on at the same time and a podcaster that is investigating it. Lots of stuff. Uh, as usual with Doug Wagner's stuff, I, I had a hard time hooking into exactly what is happening at any points, but huh. I was really fascinated at the same time. Yeah, I think it's it seems pretty straightforward. You you have someone who communicates through Polaroids, and uh, and then there's a ton of murdering going on around them. It just seems very regular. No, I yeah, I, I think it's very uh, cool and unique book. Uh, um, Talking through Polaroids, I mean, uh, memento, but maybe that's all uh, the only other thing I can think of. But I think that the the art and the action and the driving <laughs> force of this is just kind of very interesting and unique and uh, really hooked me. I think that it did a great job of kind of uh, grabbing your attention and not letting go. So give it up to the Dugs for, for making such a uh, lovely first ish. Anybody taking a bunch of Polaroids is up to something fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Like on, if you, dude. if a stranger takes your a Polaroid of you, it's like, well, there goes my soul or some kind of like. I thought maybe it was just an audition, you know. When was the last time you went on an audition? Like mid early nineties? <laughs> yes. Get a Polaroid yes. taken at you? Yeah, before wow. you walked it, in, you used to get. Are a you Polaroid exclusively taken. auditioning for nineties softcore pornography? Because it's <laughs> fine if you are. That's dope. And honestly, I'm here for it. I want to see it. <laughs> oh, that's weird. That's it's weird. not weird. Softcore, Pete, it's sort of, sort of your medium, I think. It's oh like God. Picasso He's had, not saying uh, he wants to see you do hardcore porn. Yeah, wants you to see... It's, it's saying that you like, want to see your friend do porn is a weird thing I would say. be so proud of you if you were on Red Shoe Diaries, Pete. No. Plus, you'd be f- totally friends with David Duchovny. Sorry Absolutely. that I have, know enough about that to name the quote-unquote star of that show. But I just did. Did you so. name the star of Red Shoe Diaries? Well, I mean, we're going to delete this before my kids are old enough to watch it. This isn't like a record of my life at this time that oh, when I die, we'll be left behind and anyone who cares would listen to this. And be like, That's this who that guy was. at your funeral, by the way. <laughs> Dad wanted us to play the stack from June 14th, 2023, but specifically at around minute 34 or so, okay? Do we want Red Shoe Diary fan on the scrapestone or should we just put it in like a little plaque? <laughs> or just the, a picture uh, of David Duchovny, who, as we all know, was the host, question mark, of Red Shoe Diaries? Don't play dumb, you <laughs> I never uh, had as, Cinemax. That was on Cinemax, right? 
I honestly don't know, but I feel <laughs> like. He, what but I, let me say, I feel like you do know, so just say it, you <laughs> liar. <laughs> you little liar. Why don't we move on and talk about mysteries? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, did you not talk about this book? I do, I do like this book. I like the art of this book, and it is yes. interesting. I found it interesting that this podcaster is struggling with um, feeling like a real journalist or not, when we all know that all podcasters are journalists. <laughs> no, and stop. The three of us, the that three is... of us, all three oh agree God. on that. No, Pete, why are you objecting? We just broke the big story about the host of Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> broke, broke the, the story. <laughs> yeah, we That's broke the IMDb right page. There. Yeah. <laughs> Deep dive. This is an expose. Miss Truesdale and the Fall of Hyperborea, number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola, art by Jesse Lonergan. This is continuing to tell a uh, uh, Red Sonia. I was about to, I got stuck on oh, She Ra nice. in my head. Oh, red you Sonia got stuck on Red story. Shoe Diary. Yeah, that's what you got <laughs> stuck on. How about We're how telling about? a Red Shoe Diary for Red Sonia Shoe Diary type story. Uh, meanwhile, our main character, Miss Truesdale, is unconscious in her present. Um, classic Mike Mignola style stuff. Well, I think the, the art very much uh, looks like a Hellboy book, and uh, which is nice. Uh, has a cool nostalgia feel to it, which I appreciate. Yeah, we get kind of a barbarian story in here, which is great. That's also somehow uh, connected to somebody who may or might be dying in their room that nobody can get to on time. So uh, mm. kind of an interesting... I'm a, uh, I'm interested to see how these con stories connect or come together. But yeah, as, as weird as it sounds, it's a great issue and does feel like the Hellboy world for sure. Always leave the door unlocked. Any room you go into, even a bathroom, just leave it open. So in case you if fall down. If you have down, a cat, you can't shut doors anyway. They won't let you. So hmm. What? Yeah. Did you have a, a cat with a lockpick? <laughs> no, cats don't like shut doors, man. If you ever live with a cat, they won't let you shut the door. You talk about a cat like you, the cat was in charge and you were like the cat. You were the cat's That's cat. That's how cats think about it. They, That's how they you think, think about it. They think they're in charge. Oh, my God. That's how you think about it. <laughs> no. Did you ever purr and rub up against your cat's leg when you were feeling good and feeling happy? Feeling full? <laughs> and what? In your apartment, you're discussing the cat used the toilet and you used the litter box, right? <laughs> no. Got to change Pete's litter box Honestly, I would change That's it on gross. the rag. I yeah. would change it on the That's, rag if I were that cat. I love to do that. I, it would make me so happy if I could change your litter box or <laughs> if you were doing that on some sort of red shoe diaries. I don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, Pete's, Pete's OnlyFans Don't is, call is back things that don't make sense to connect, bro. Jesus yeah, no, Christ. it's real. Pete, no, no, I've seen fun. your OnlyFans, and it's really kitty-focused. It's like <laughs> I always thought you were, a human, you were a human sexual dog, but it feels like you're a human sexual cat. And wow. that's a fun surprise. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, if you're <laughs> exactly. just what the Google fuck are you talking Pete about? Page human sexual dog, and I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, I hate this, you so fucking much, This man. comic is good. If you've been jonesing, we got, we can delete the other part. Because I don't know if it'll be a full pull quote to put all that I on the cover. I love 40 up. minutes in and we still have 30 more comics to talk about. At yeah. this point. Oh, that's our M.O., bro. <laughs> uh, this comic, if you've been jonesing for classic Hellboy, this is like that. It, it, I said this, I think, last issue. This is like Hell Girl. This is like the the Red Sonia Hellboy crossover that maybe you've been wanting. There's a good little mystery at the center of this story, and I'm, I'm here for it. 
Captain Marvel, number 50 for Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Javier Pina and David Lopez. In this issue, Captain Marvel is dealing with the death of, I believe, Binary. Uh, to be honest, I, I skipped out a couple of issues here, so I'm not 100% sure, but um, she's dealing with a major loss, and her friends throw her a party anyway. This, this is great. I love this issue so much. This is such a wonderful tribute to Captain Marvel. It seems to also be the last issue of the series, uh, which is a bummer, but it pays an incredible tribute to the character, character of Captain Marvel. The art is phenomenal. There's so many guest stars over the course here that are so much fun as they go through this party that connect to Captain Marvel in different ways. Um Fantastic issue. And like I said, I feel a little bad that I haven't been keeping up with this one. But even if you just jump into this issue, if you like the character of Captain Marvel, you're going to enjoy this anyway. Yeah, I agree. This is such an amazing issue. This is such a cool uh, kind of thing. And it's also nice that that, uh, her friends can get to her when she's not feeling uh, great and able to help her, uh, able to kind of get her to open up and finally kind of deal with this. So I thought it was such a cool way to do it and very fun. It really felt like a number 50 issue in such a cool way and a great celebration of the character. Amazing. Uh, agree. I, I enjoyed this issue as well for all the same reasons you guys are talking about. I found this a stressful read because it's dealing with Captain Marvel uh, trying to figure out what to do when she's lost someone. And then we have the death of Miss Marvel uh, over on the other side of the Marvel Universe. I was like, please don't end with her realizing that. And it'd be like trauma on trauma. Uh, but I do think this ish, this comic is, is ending at a time where I think there's going to be a real realignment for the Marvels leading up to the movie The Marvels. And that will be different, maybe better, maybe uh, maybe something else. I don't know. I'm curious where they're going to go. Well, I will say there's a short, uh, quick little scene in here where Miss Marvel, Photon, and Captain Marvel all get together. Yep. A joy. It completely captures yes. the feeling of watching that trailer. Very fun trio. I do hope they figure something out, and I do hope potentially they let Kelly Thompson do it because yeah, Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson's so good with Captain Marvel and that whole section of the universe. But let me say this just as a statement: I feel like, like we were talking about with with uh, Spider Man India, like I feel like both Marvel and DC wait till the movies come out to release the comic that ties into the movie and TV show. Release the comic that ties into the movie and TV show early. Do one arc. And then do an arc that sort of resets and and like so we can be in it when it's happening. That mm-hmm. people don't go to the comic book store from the movie theater; they go earlier, they go later. They want to read they? back issues. Uh, well, they, sometimes, but I that, I just feel like it's such a. I get why people do it because it makes sense from a corporate calendar point of view. But I think think about what viewership actually is, so we can actually experience it in a a better way. I so I don't actually know what they're doing now, but back at the beginning of the MCU, the whole idea was to do what you're saying, like flood the zone beforehand, specifically try to have that arc months earlier so they could collect it in a trade so the trade could actually be on the shelves in time for the movie. Um, I don't know when that strategy shifted. Maybe it hasn't necessarily been working in that way. So they do instead find that like, oh, yeah, I could pick up a number one issue and know exactly what's going on there. Certainly Marvel has been leaning very hard into the number ones. We've talked about their mini series that are five issues long and all number one, which is bizarre, but there must be some sort of sales data to back that up. 
or not. I mean, comics might make no sense. Definitely. Well, it's just like numbering comics was such an important thing for so long. And then the sales department got involved. They were like, it should all be number ones because those are the ones people buy. It's just it's illogical. Mm -hmm. And we only we get a ton of number ones and then we get like a ton of like 750s. And it's like, okay, oh, sure. (laughs) It's much much harder to follow that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Superman Lost, number four from DC Comics, written by Priest, art by Carlo Pelgulian. This is following the story of Superman, who was lost in the universe. Um, I mean, he left uh, the one planet that he found safety at for a little while to follow some dolphins that didn't work out. So in this issue, he heads back there and finds that a bunch of folks from his past are coming back to haunt him. Um, This story gets better every issue, I think, just in terms of the tension and sadness that Superman is dealing with. I'm I'm not enjoying it is probably the wrong word, but appreciating it. Well, it's a little... it's a little confusing. I think it's easy to get a little bit lost in the story because uh, like in this, Superman uh, yeah. it's dealing with yeah. Newark, but it's Newark on another planet. Uh, so it's a, well, it's that, a was, conf- that was to be clear. That was established a couple of issues back. He came to this yes. planet and they were like, we don't have names for anything. And he said, okay, let's call it Newark. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it gets in this issue in particular, it gets a little bit like, cause we're jumping around a lot. And I think it's a purposeful choice because it feels like, the fragmented nature of someone dealing with being what he, what Superman's dealing with. Yeah. So like I, and I like that. I like that we are a little bit in Superman's headspace as we're reading this and the story itself is really, I'm a sucker for that. I love being in people's heads. You do. Uh, Sort of Ratatouille style. But I like where the last panel reveal here is fun. This, and that we, this is an ongoing series issue four of 10, which I didn't really know uh, from the jump. So I have a question. Did Superman really uh, fly two years away because he lost his luggage? Because that's kind of what I got from this issue. And I just wanted to uh, double check that because it seems like that was a long way to go just for a, a, a cape. You know? Well, he was on a Southwest flight and like the luggage was so he really wanted mm-hmm. I get, vape. You know, no, he, no, I he, get, he in his all vape. seriousness, the implication here is that Superman is kind of slowly losing his mind being lost in space this long. We find out that there are weeks and months where he has been holding his breath, literally, so he doesn't die yeah. in the vacuum of space. He hasn't seen people. So he's becoming unhinged. When we catch yeah. up with him, when all this time has passed, but no time has passed on Earth, he's basically catatonic at this point and been totally traumatized by his experience. So so, yes, he is making decisions that don't make a lot of sense about like, wait, I got to go there. Uh, there's nothing over here. I got to go back. He doesn't know what direction he's going in. He is literally and figuratively lost, and he's getting more and more lost over the course of these issues. And, uh, and I like seeing Superman out of his comfort zone in that way, mm-hmm. a character that we often see sort of in command of every situation. Yeah. And uh, also as a callback to uh, – it was fun to see Superman get called Whitey, just like I did the callback to, to you earlier. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what it was. It's not a callback. <laughs> well, he, he gets called Whitey in this, just like you did. It was fun. And like that's I did I by you? It. Yeah. That's Alex, I got Alex, it is you, Alex is your Superman? 
And just to be clear, uh, you are what? Uh, what uh, race are you? What? Uh, <laughs> well, I haven't what, never done one of those makeup? things, but I'm not sure. I'm definitely, I'm definitely of the Caucasian descent. I'm just not oh. sure of all. Oh, you never the... done a twenty three and Me or an Ancestry.com piece? No, there's a there's a, a big thing that happened in my family, and we kind of split ways from different people. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little tricky. Well, I've actually got a reveal here because I did a. 23 and me on you, Pete, and the test came back, and you are 90% cheesesteak. Oh, I thought you were going to say 100% that bitch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nope. I, <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> quite a drop from Alex. And I'm looking at the results here 100% that bitch. Wow. Old Dog, number five, from Image Comics by Declan Shalvey. This is a big, big, big issue, issue if you've been following this series. Uh, we've been following this character who lost a bunch of years of time thanks to a mysterious device in the first issue. Each of these issues has been its own little spy caper, mostly not sci-fi inflected other than the first issue. All that comes literally and figuratively unraveling in this issue. I'm yeah. almost hesitant to spoil it because this is... Let's not. Yeah. Let's let's not, not. because this is a a comic that I think has done a great job of like sort of the slow boil, really letting the characters cook a little bit before. And this issue we get sort of, I would call it a twist. It gets sort of like the world gets exploded in a way. And uh, I loved it. I've been sort of feeling the tension of some sort of reveal coming. And I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Issue five is not always the issue that reveals happen in, in normal comic sort of sequentiality. So the fact that it came here caught me off guard, and I really liked this issue. Great, great art by Devin Shack. Yeah, the art's unbelievable. I felt very seen in this issue for reasons I can't reveal, apparently. So, yeah, I just felt like... Oh, I have uh, questions that I want to ask you offline, then. Well... I don't understand why we can't spoil this and talk about it. Because I want people to enjoy this. The art from Declan Shalvey is, of course, phenomenal. But the storytelling here, the way that he lays out non-sequentially the story over the course of the issue is, like Justin was saying, it's a perfect twist that I did not see coming, but is laid out right from the top of the issue. It's just a really, really well done book. I yeah, I mean, just to spoil it, I guess he was old dog found out he was 100% that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense with the dog of it all. Uh, why don't we move on then and talk about the great British bump off number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by John Allison, art by Marx Saren. This is following a murder mystery that is taking place at a great British bake off style show. Continues to be delightful mystery three issues in. And in fact, this is the issue where I started to get really intrigued by the mystery. History. It's been sort of this almost goofy side thing you happening. Love in issue. This shit. I you do love, love this shit. shit. Um, the art is really fun and cartoony. It's goofy and offbeat and fun. And uh, there's a lot of dark humor in here as well. So, had a yeah. good time. The art's kind of like a, a little bit of a, a slight twisted kind of Disney animation feel, and uh, yeah. the but that's fun because it plays against all this tension and and murder. So I I, I was just uh, it's such a fun combination. They know what they have, and they're doing such a great job with it. I'm not super connected to the baking show universe. Uh, huh. I appreciate this uh, surprise twist, my personal twist. So I like 
the art, like you're saying, I like the characters and the tone of this is interesting, but I'm finding it hard to really key into uh, the intricacies of this. Huh. Well, just watch the first 19 seasons yeah. of the British Baking Show. And then we set. Just fine. You'll yeah. be good. You'll be I good. can't see people that calm competing in a baking challenge. Oh, you can <laughs> you can scream at them. You can scream at them. I well, scream at well, them? That's the British yeah. part that you have a problem with? It's not the... No, well, the whole the show I, is very nice. It's a very nice yeah. show where people are pleasant to each other. And, and so Justin other. hates that. No, mm-hmm. I don't mind people being nice. I'm nice. And I like, like, I'm big top chef guy. They've all, that, that show's about people being nice, too. I guess maybe mm. baking. Like, I like to cook, but baking to me is... Mm. What? Don't, don't say, like don't I, dismiss baking like it's less than. Have you ever eaten a baked good? Ugh. Yeah. It's so bread good. Disgusting. No hey, oh, whoa, whoa. What? No. Bread? Yeah, bread? Gross. Come on, dude. We, yeah, what is bread? Nobody knows. Oh I actually God. bake bread, so like I know what it is. I know oh, it okay. all of I know I don't believe it. I murder people with different things. <laughs> Poison. Captain America, Cold War Omega from Marvel, written by Colin Kelly, Kelly Jackson Lansing, and Taki Anyabuchi. Art by Carlos Magno. Uh, this I'm sorry. Is- I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, we finally got him. I've been an undercover agent for uh, 17 years now, and he finally admitted to poisoning the people. So uh, my job is done, actually. This was a great uh, pleasure, and thank you for all this. But, uh, Justin, uh, go. Red team, go. So uh, you're going to get arrested. Don't worry. We'll take care of your family from here. By a red team? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just uh, this has been fun. What? So, Pete, does that mean you're out of you're bowing out of the podcast now that I'm arrested? Because I can podcast from prison. No oh, that's problem. a good point. Okay, great. We can still keep it going then. Yeah. And let me uh, ask you: Do you think what you've been doing is a good undercover? <laughs> <laughs> Your takes have been like super chill undercover, just trying to get by. Takes you've known the okay. whole time. Yeah, is that what you're you. saying? Uh, you just you've you ate me? you ate poison 35 minutes ago. Ah. Oh. Anyway, Captain America Cold War Omega is wrapping up this storyline that has very briefly pitted the two Captain Americas against each other, but also against Bucky, who is now a character named the Revolution, and a bunch of other stuff going on. Um, I I wasn't too into this crossover, I gotta say. But really? uh, yeah, I, I feel like we got lost in there, the there's a page where Captain America lays it out. Bucky's like, walk me through it. And Captain America's like, well, and I was like, what? What? I mean, what is, like, I'm sure this made sense on a whiteboard somewhere when the writers were figuring it out. But for me, a person who has read all these issues, I was like, this is too much. I mean, I will say I agree with you. I was like, oh, I'm glad they walked us through it because I had no idea that's what happened. And I've been reading all of these. Yeah, sort of intently. So I agree there's a little bit of loss in the sauce here. I said the last I thought the issue where the two caps fought was just such a miss. Um, I do like this world. Uh, I like the way we sort of land this. I like a lot of these characters and the characterizations. The plot was a little convoluted and caught up in some continuity that I think is a little messy and it it asks questions that I don't think casual fans know, like the Cap's son and what his connection to the son yeah, is. And, that was a weird all that. reveal where it was like, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm sorry. And, and I do have one a question. Like they talk about something called Neganite and then it's wrapped around a bat 
and it's barbed wire and it's like come on the bat from walking dead yeah like you guys Negan have no idea like you've never watched walking dead you can't I, i just feel like it's such a weird it's not a joke it's just like a thing and mm-hmm. I found that to be also very strange. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Right? It was the, it, there was like a lot of weird moves. I I liked the the two caps kind of working things out and finally getting on the same page. I thought that was enjoyable. This one kind of lost me a little bit with this issue where they were kind of walking. I hate when you're you have to, you know, recap and we're we're not watching things, we're just l- listening to people kind of talk. So I I felt like that was a little tough in my comic book, but um, the sun thing, I was also like, what are we doing? This We're working really hard for something, and I'm not sure what's happening. So I'm hoping it's going to pay off. I mean, you got an amazing team. It's fantastic artwork. Um, you know, uh, I liked the kind of like uh, the Destroyer stuff, but... Yeah, the whole Negan thing. I was just like, "Come on, or what? Or is this a coincidence? Or let me know in on the joke if you yeah, guys are making the great. joke because I'm like, you guys, nobody's seen Walking Dead. Like, come on. I don't think it's a thing in the Marvel universe. I like where it lands. I like the idea that that Bucky was carrying out a plan, but may have pushed it too far to the point that he's now lost these relationships in his. It sounds his life. like some Bucky would do, yeah. Uh, so that's interesting to me. I'm curious where both of these titles go from here. Static Team Up, Anansi, number one from DC Comics, written by Evan Narcisse, art by Charles Stewart III. As you can figure out from the title, this is Static teaming up with a character named Anansi. Uh, Pete, you are our milestone expert. What did you think about this? Well, I love this. This really came, got a, gave me the Spider-Man team-up feels a little bit, where we have two cool characters kind of interacting. I love the Anansi character. I thought that was such a cool move uh, for Static and such an interesting kind of like um, visually with the whole web stuff. So, uh, yeah, I was super impressed with this. I thought it was uh, great art, this cool storytelling and fun to kind of, uh, I hope we do more team ups because this is, I think a, a fun way to kind of tell some cool stories. Agreed. This is fun. A ton of, uh, oblique spider comma man references, uh, which I thought were sort of funny static shock. Uh, also being comp- sort of the spy Spider-Man type character in the DC universe. So, uh, that stuff was fun and this was a good, a good journey. I like these characters. Haunt You to the End, number one from Image Comics, written by Ryan Cady, art by Andrew Muddy. This is about a billionaire who wants to prove that there are ghosts, so takes a ragtag team to the most haunted island in the world. Does it go wrong? Have you ever seen a movie before? I don't know. I guess we'll have to tune in to find out. Um, But I'm a sucker for these sort of stories, and I think this is a well-executed one. There's some scary stuff that goes down here. And, of course, it's going to get even bigger and badder probably in the next issue. Yeah, I Uh, agree. Oh, go ahead. I love the Andrea Moody art. I think it's nice and, um, pun not intended, moody in in a good way. The post-apocalyptic world ghost story island stuff. I was like, wow, (laughs) there's a lot of uh, map we journey through to get to where we are. But curious what this last ghost, last haunted house on the planet is going to be. Yeah, I really like where we end up. I think it's this story is very interesting and confident. I love the art style and it plays with the intensity really well. I think like at first I was like, what are we doing? But man, by the end, I was excited for more. 
Murder, Inc., Jagger Rose, number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Michael Avon Obing. This takes place in a world that has been taken over not by ghosts, but by the mob. And here, our mm. main character, Jagger Rose, is visiting the Pope, who also is all mobbed up. Um, this, and, and I say that complimentary, this feels like the sort of book that Frank Thierry would write. Where nah. it's just a bunch yeah. of folks being like, hey, I'm, I'm in the fucking mob and I'm going to fucking kill you. Here we go. Because all the characters sound like Frank Thierry? Yes. In your head? In my head. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yes, but I, I do think this is just a great, a well-built world and super thought through to the point where like just the dialogue and the character positioning is so meticulously done. This, uh, the first issue was a lot of sort of establishment. This issue, I feel like I'm really riding along with the characters and feeling what they're feeling in a good way with also a lot of twists and turns from a plot point of view. Yeah. I almost wish we had him on the show to talk about because this is such a cool comic and uh, we did. Cool, uh, oh, okay. we really did. Talk about this. Yeah, I'm so setting up Zeldin for that. But anyways, uh, I, I I agree with you, Justin. He doesn't I feel like, like it. He doesn't like it when you do that. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's some of the small joys I get in life. All right. But I feel like I agree with you, Justin. Like, we're really rolling now and with this idea. And it, it's, it's picking up steam in such a cool way. Uh, the mob kind of church thing is a weird combination for me with the, that kind of was like. Or oh, is it? Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't spend a lot of time in a mob church, so I thought for me it was like an interesting kind of having those, uh, kind of like feel so natural. It was weird and kind of crazy, so I, I thought it was a cool juxtaposition. Uh, but man, the the art is just super tight bananas, and I'm very hooked on the story. I'm excited to see where it's going to go because it seems insane. See a mob church. Yeah. Wolverine, number 34 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Juan Jose Rip. In Ooh. this issue, if you haven't been paying attention, Beast has made a bunch of uh, clone Wolverines who are working for him. They are his enforcers. He's trying to, according to him, do what's best for Krakoa, but that has brought him face to face with Wolverine, who killed him once already. It didn't stick. It didn't work. Didn't take. Uh, meanwhile, the big Lebowski is back in the mix as well and trying to help out Wolverine. This leads to a dinner confrontation between Wolverine and Beast with a big twist at the end that may, be, may point to how they're going to beat Beast in this arc. Now, I want to get this out front because I know Pete is very upset about this book, and I know why. Pete, I understand you were upset. That beast wore a lobster bib. Why does he mm. need to wear a lobster bib when he's eating lobster when he has all that fur on his body that he could just wipe the lobster juices on? Fur's you know, a bib he, you grow. Exactly. As we, as a hairy person myself, it's the flavor saver. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you exactly. don't need to you don't need full to full body flavor saver. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. morning Pete wakes up and just fills his beard with butter. That's right. Yum it's yum. Great, great way to grill. Uh yeah. Um, this blows. This really is just such an awful comic, and I don't know why it's called Wolverine, because it's Bob Beast the whole fucking time. Wolverine's ah, in it a lot. Ah Thank you. So I I just I I I don't like where it's heading. And and what am I supposed to do? Like I want Beast to lose and then Wolverine wins, but we all lose these guys fighting. 
nobody wins. It's not enjoyable. I this fucking minions uh, Wolverine thing is just mm. dumb. And um, the art though is great. Wow, very dramatic. Can, until... I, can I throw out a counterpoint? Sure. Uh, this rules. This is yeah. one of my favorite Wolverine runs of all time. Well, that lets me know that you actually hate Wolverine as a character. I 100% don't. This is celebrating Wolverine. And no, in fact, it's not. I, I'll mention the twist that happens in this issue. The twist of this issue is they start to realize that the Wolverine clones that are supposed to be dumb, slavish clones that are following Beast also have a healing factor, and that's the mistake Beast made because they're slowly becoming smarter, and yeah. ultimately they're going to rise up and absolutely destroy Beast. I yeah, cannot wait. I know. It's going to be great. And it yeah. can happen as early as next issue, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's happening, but I'm not excited about it because when they kill Beast, now we don't have Beast. You know what I mean? And now Beast is an asshole forever. I, no, wh- here's, no. Uh, here, I'm going to throw out a prediction to you. You're not going to like this either, but I think we're going to end at a place where Beast has been beaten and they bring him back as a dumb clone. And then he is going to be slavering ah. dumb Beast living in the same cave that he kept Wolverine trapped in. And they'll figure out what to do with him later, but that's going to be his punishment, is that Beast is trapped in this body where he can't use his brain and he can't save Krakoa. Yeah, but that's, that's cool. still... That's not cool. Because now you've turned Beast into this horrible thing. And why is that fun? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I agree with Alex. I think this is fun. I thought we were going to get a reveal that he's been Dark Beast all this time. We didn't get that. And maybe they won't. That does seem like sort of a... <laughs> A rug pull? Yeah. He's not uh, Dark Beast, though. As to establish this issue, he's Sloppy Lobster Beast. Yes. Well, let me say. Lobster he, Beast. <laughs> watching Beast eat lobster was not enjoyable. He's, I know, he, like, slurps the shit out of that well, meal. But that's Very a, gross. No, no, no. Like, I know you're upset about that, but that is based on how Kelsey Grammer actually eats lobster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They yeah. had Kelsey if, Grammer do the motion cap for this comic. Yeah, 100%. If you watch, and I always watch this, but the behind-the-scenes featurettes from Down Periscope, they have a whole <laughs> thing where Kelsey wow. Grammer is just going ham on some lobster while he's trying Enemy to talk about Enemy mind to Down Periscope. This <laughs> has something for everyone who is no one. <laughs> anyway, this is great. Uh, yeah, great. We're, no, yeah. it's not. Great. Uh, counterpoint, great. Monarch nope. number five from Image Comics, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Alex Linz. In this issue, our main character, the monarch of this alien race that has taken over Earth, has rejected them for his friends and brought him directly into conflict with them. Um, gosh, I really wish we had Rodney Barnes on the show where he would have been able to talk about this book. Unfortunately, that only happened a couple of weeks ago on the live show. Ah, oh, well, that's fun. Maybe people should go check that out if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. I yeah, really like this book. The tone yeah. of this book is so off kilter and contemplative, which is not what you'd expect for the big action that's happening on the page. But I like the on incongruous nature of those two things clashing with each other. It creates tension. Well, and I, I feel like the reference I would make here is it's almost Spielbergian uh, mm-hmm. in the way that uh, this character is sort of finding his spot and turning his back on what the expectations that are put on him for his friends. It, it feels very much like 
any of the stories that we we love where a kid or a kids have to finally rebel against the expectations that are put upon them. And this has been just a nice sort of sneak up on that as a theme, a cool art, interesting world. I've been enjoying this and a great reveal at the end of this issue. Yeah, I agree. I really like the reveal. Uh, it does a good job getting you excited for more. Uh, art and character design is really impressive. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's a very enjoyable book. The Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, The Glass House, number three from DC Comics, written by James Tyne the fourth, art by Lissandro Esterin. In this issue, the Corinthian maybe has made a deal with the bad guys. Meanwhile, we're finding out a lot more about what has been going on behind the scenes of this world spinning out of Sandman. Um, I, I love the darkness of this book. I love how they keep looping back to the story here. We started with some new characters at the beginning, but it's really starting to tighten up. And there's a great reveal of a character towards the end of this issue who. Oh, yeah. Well, almost. Two reveals. I guess I didn't quite pick up on so explicitly that the writer character they introduced a couple of issues back was James Tide of the Fourth. Uh, here, it's very clearly James Tide of the Fourth, even though they give him another name, uh, which is fun. It's fun stuff. Yeah, why, Just, why shouldn't he get a little cameo every once in a while? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just really using the Sandman universe in all its like we get Lucian here, or the reveal at the end, which I won't spoil, is really great. I love Corinthian. Like, I want to see that character in a bunch of different places. How do you think Corinthian chooses which mouth to talk out of? Because he has the mouth and the Or eye which mouth. one to eat out of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Do you feel like you'd be like, oh, I'm going to eat, like, candy out of my right eye? Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, you go sweets right. And yeah, yeah. Exactly. Chicken wings out of my left eye. <laughs> uh, bone, I, bone scraper. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the last panel is just amazing. Uh, this is, is really scary and intense, but also very enjoyable, which is weird for me. But man, the art's unbelievable. The, the creepy character designs are just fantastic. This book has been phenomenal and continues to be phenomenal. Star Trek number nine from IDW, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Mike Feehan. We are continuing the countdown to Day of Blood. Um, I keep wanting to say Books of Blood, but that's the Clive Barker thing. Anyway, here uh, we have our crew is continuing to deal with stuff in Star Trek. They are. And there's a a murderer's row of your favorite Star Trek characters all being fun. I found it this there's a lot of action sequence in this. And while I was reading it, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. It's a full on battle. And I remember that in all of Star Trek's like no one ever really dies. Only Mm -hmm. like two characters have ever died. And so I was like, of course, everyone's going to be fine. And then that's what happens because you can't kill any of these folks. They're all friends. They're all on a mission. But this is great. This is like big time actiony Star Trek. The last couple of issues of this title in particular have been a little talkier, I think, which is fine. That's Star Trek as well. But I prefer this in comic book form. It feels more dynamic to me. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I feel like this is uh, a great Star Trek comic in the fact that it really feels like Star Trek. But uh, the action is fun, which I enjoyed. And uh, the countdown to Day of Blood is interesting. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 27 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by Ed McGuinness. Now, famously, the last issue killed off Miss Marvel. And in this issue, we're dealing with a bit of the fallout of that, as uh, The Amazing Spider-Man is a little bummed out about it. So Black Cat 
gets him to fight the Shocker to shock him out of his funk. Meanwhile, Norman Osborn is also bummed about it, but he's also bummed about the fact that he killed somebody else and he forgot about killing that person. Um, and kill one person dying because of him reminded of another person dying. So uh, there's some there's some stuff happening here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, don't forget a lot of Doc Ock's mm, weirdness also happening. Well, I'll throw out there, I did not like the last issue at all uh, when we were talking about it. Um, this issue feels like it's taking on too many things at the same time. Either deal yes. with the fallout of Miss Marvel's death or don't, but like don't half-ass it. The Doc Ock stuff, though, is great. Like, I love the yeah. idea that Doc Ock, spoiler here, but is mad at his tentacles for betraying him yeah. with Spider-Man, yeah. destroys his tentacles, gets some new, more badass tentacles, and then the tentacles crawl over to J. Jonah Jameson to be like, help me. Yeah. That's Who fun. Briefly I'm them. super into that, and I almost hope we completely forget and have no emotional baggage from this Marvel next issue so we can just get into whatever this Doc Ock thing is because the rest of it just leave it well like Spider-Man I'm not feeling this at all like he was obviously not feeling this issue I was not feeling this issue um so you think Peter Parker was not feeling this issue yeah, he was just like yo I'm not feeling this and Catwoman was like come on have some fun this will be fun yeah, sorry, you're right, Black Cat. Different. And completely different. <laughs> completely different character. Um, and so it was, um, I, I feel like it was like her trying to be like, no, it's okay, go back to yourself, you got to bounce back. And I don't know if you can, we can bounce back from this. So I, I agree that the, this sucked and um, you can't pep talk someone out of something that they don't want to get out of. So um yeah, it's uh this is a tough hill to kind of climb, uh especially when they're not making it any easier. I feel like when something bad happens, a uh, common reaction is to just distract yourself by doing a million other things. Right. And uh it's strange that the book is doing that even though the characters aren't cuz I think I I want the opposite. I want Peter Parker and and Black Cat or whoever to really get into this and have an interesting character based story. Instead, we get sort of a, a wash. We get a lot of like Golden Goblin and stuff that's going on in uh, the Norman Osborn side of things, which is a lot. And it's it's hard to pro- like you're saying, it's hard to process a lot of all of this stuff. And really, but what why? I liked what I liked about the recent stuff that's been happening in this book controversially perhaps is the Mary Jane and the, the Peter Parker, Mary Jane stuff that's been happening. That didn't, they didn't talk about that at all. So why would you, that's what I'm saying. So what I was pointing at is I, I wish they had, they, we had a true epilogue to what happened last issue instead of like a burst into like nine other situations, which feel like we're papering over um, a, a huge issue that just happened. Yeah, I agree. It's like either deal with the choices that you make or, you know. And just to be clear, you would like, you don't like any of it. Well, I just think that like, if you're going to kind of drop this bomb on me, help me deal with this fucking madness. Don't do 18 other insane things. And that just makes me even more scattered brain. You know what I mean? Like, okay, if let's just kind of one at a time them if we got to, but like, Stop generating all this new crazy bullshit if you're we're still reeling from the last thing. It feels like reading this for you, Pete, is like going to work. 
It's like okay. clocking in. It's like, oh, gotta go yeah. this. It's stressful yeah. to you. It what do you, you really want to have? Well, you, the next issue, right. first three pages, what's your absolute win that happens that you're like, yes? It's uh, Peter Parker talking about his relationship with MJ, talking about how he's feeling, what he's kind of going through, you know, you know, what, you know, what the fuck? <laughs> You know? Wait, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Really ran out of gas there. Yeah, uh, I'm just too woke up, worked up to really kind of deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm would also going to need the, three. What the fuck? Be three. on page two or page three? I'm just wondering. Yeah. It would be the last thing. The last. Okay, it's just a blank page with yeah. just Peter yeah. Parker being like, "What the what fuck? fuck? Yeah." Um, mm-hmm. Nice, uh, Mary Jane whispering, "What the fuck?" into Mephisto's ear. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean that chat that actually tracks. That does track. <coughs> Don't, you got oh cough, cough right into the microphone Uh-oh. if you can. <laughs> oh, don't. How's that? Actually, do that. You. Fuck. I did it though. It was too late. You asked, and I always I did, do whatever I, you ask. Do you know do. what sarcasm is? You live in New York City. You fucking fuck. Two more wishes, Pete. Two more wishes. <laughs> um, for those of you listening, World Alex. Hunger. Alex is Pete's You you made no wishes for the longest period of time, and you finally made the first one. Ironically, I gave it to you. Something epic, number two, from Image Comics by Simon Kondransky. This is dealing with a kid who maybe is seeing what seemingly would be imaginary characters for real, or more likely is having some sort of mental issues that are making him see this stuff. Ultimately... I think it's becoming clear by the end of this issue what it actually is about is how you take the things that are around you in life and channel them into the artistic process. Mm. At least that's where I think we're going with this whole story. Whatever it is, it's very, and I say this positively, very densely constructed. There's a lot of text, a lot of beautiful art, a lot of characters going on here. And it really just keeps it focused on this kid's mental state throughout these first two issues. Very good book. Agree. It's one of my favorite reads of the week, and it feels like it's doing all that, but really like taking the time. It feels like really smartly laid out. Every every choice matters. Establishing things for the future of this character. Not definitely showing rather than telling. Like there's very little exposition. It's just we're sort of with this character. We're not quite sure exactly what's happening, but over the course of the issue, we learn the situation just by hearing the words it there's a lot of great philosophical understanding here the nature of creativity this is great it reminds me of sort of a more a less action it's a less rock and roll version of murder falcon wow Hmm. interesting Hmm. that just blew my fucking mind Part of me is upset, but I don't know. Okay, all right. That's a, uh, your natural first step, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's my first reaction is how fucking dare you. Um, uh, something epic. Okay, so I really loved the use of color and uh, just kind of panel design. This is so creative, so cool. Uh, a lot of different kind of things. I also r- really love that little a duck that looked like Slash was unbelievable, and then the Shrek knockoff. They're they're doing a lot of creative, cool stuff with this, and somehow, so far, it is living up to the title, which I didn't think they could do. It's something epic. There yeah. you go. 
Green Lantern, number two from DC Comics, written by Jeremy Adams, Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Zermonico and Montos. In the front story, Hal Jordan is once again Green Lantern, or is he? There's definitely some weird stuff going on with his ring and exactly how that works. And in the backup story, we are getting what essentially seems to be an Elseworlds about Jon Stewart and here Guy Gardner as well. Yes. We were insanely positive about the first issue. How do you think it held up in issue number two? I'm having a great time with the Green Lantern book. How is this possible? I hate Green Lantern, yet here I am having fun with it. Justin? I I, I agree. I really enjoy this. I mean, Pete, I feel like we're getting some, like, Peter Parker, Mary Jane vibes here with – uh, the sort of central relationship to the Hal Jordan world, which I think is fun. Gotta shout out some real uh, poozer chat. Like, I love this idea of Hal Jordan. Yeah, uh, Hal and, Jordan and Kilowog living in a trailer and, together. Oh, my so God, fun. so fun. Really fun. And Pete, you must have loved, he's really taken a shot at Mountain Dew, Dew of the Mountain. Yeah, the Dew of the Mountain. Uh, I I didn't appreciate that because obviously it's uh, delicious. No, it tastes uh, like uh, Andorian puddle water, which I think is on the bottle now. Mm-hmm. And that's delicious. Everybody loves drinking Andorian puddle water. Well, apparently, I got to go go to this place and uh, check it out because <laughs> if that's what uh, it's on the TV show Andor, it's the mm-hmm. puddles that come out. Well, great, I'm going there because from uh, you crying so much those puddles. The, I, I cried. I I agree. I absolutely love this this second issue. I was worried that they wouldn't be able to hold it up from the first issue, which I think referred to as like Top Gun Maverick, but in comic book form. Right, right. It keeps up that pace and that humor. There is a scene that's like, it's so cliche, but it completely works in this comic book where Hal is the private plane co-pilot Carol Ferris and her new fiancé and he does the classic like over complimenting so he wins the fiancé over but it's just driving her insane the entire time he turns the plane a little bit so he gets a drink spilled on him it's like sitcom move type stuff but it's it's crushing rom-com yes that's exactly what it is it's rom-com stuff Completely works. The pacing completely works. And that's down to the art from Zermonico. And uh, the backup story is uh, weird and wild and interesting. And I think but like great. getting to the core of the characters like Phil Kennedy Johnson always does. This is great. This is a great. Phil Kennedy Johnson killing the, killing the game. L- a couple of amazing last panels on both stories. I- I'm having a blast. Nostalgia, number one from Comixology, written by Scott Hoffman, art by Daniel Zezig. This is a wild book that I know, was it Justin? You said Justin, that's, that's, that's me. Favorites of the that's week. him. The JJ Justin, says. Justin Tyler? Yes. I'm not a crook. Uh, long, time, long time listener. Did you say, first I'm time. not a crook. Is that what you just said? Yeah, that's yeah. Justin. Oh, Long-time listener, first-time journalist. Uh, I really uh, love this issue. A very confident You're first issue. You're not a journalist. From people who said that. I am not a journalist. Why am I? No, that's not JFK. <laughs> oh that's my God. Really oh good my. JFK impression. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Oh, my God. Uh, now I'm confused in the other way. Yeah. The, but this is... Very confident first issue. Great, like, <laughs> approach to uh, modern – the way that modern dialogue 
but extended into a post-apocalyptic world or a a world that we are worried about is what going is going to come about for us. I like that the main character is a musician, but we get into a lot a bunch of larger situations and themes here. A, a cool art. I I this is one of my favorite reads. My other favorite read of the week. I I agree with you, Justin. I was really impressed with uh, how unique and refreshing this comic was. It's a uh, it's very futuristic in in tone and nature, but very cool. Uh, yeah, I think this is really impressive as a comic, and I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Clobber in time, number four from Marvel by Steve Scrooge. Each issue Scrooge. has Scrooge has the thing teaming up with a different character for the Marvel universe and coming face to face with this time traveler who he keeps running into and keeps having problems oh, with. Metal nose. In this issue, the thing teams up with none other than Doctor Doom. Come on, what uh, a fun odd I, couple! I love this book uh, so much. It is not only is the art. Great and just leading into particularly in this issue, like insane creature fights with the thing, but it perfectly captures the character of the thing, yes. just being this like crouchy, funny New Yorky dude, and the stuff that they do, like the whole bit about Doctor Doom essentially being like secret old man the entire yeah. issue, yeah, so funny, uh, great, so good, and plus. The trick that Doctor Two does with the burger and the portal is so crazy. <laughs> so just, just to set it up for you, Fuck this is a them. spoiler. But the entire issue, they're trapped in this like dark dimension where there's absolutely nothing, and Doctor Doom keeps cooking horrible monster stews for him. Latvian stews. Yeah, and the thing is, like, please, can you just make me a burger? All I want is a burger. Towards the end of the issue, Doctor Doom is while the thing is outside the ship is like. Oh, I made a portal that's going to close in about 45 seconds and see if you can make it back here. And things like, okay, okay. And he gets back there. And then there's a burger sitting on the table just out of reach. And he's like, oh, I want that burger so bad. He hesitates. <laughs> well, let me say it makes me think I want to watch the great Latvian bake off. Mm. Oh. I feel like that would really get into there's some tension there. There's some more There's not all happy-go-lucky. Yeah, I agree. This is a ton of fun. I also love how uh, Ben is kind of just like repeating that ridiculous dish as he's messing people up. It's really such a fun motivation for him. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, this is an absolute blast of a book, and they're leaning into it in all the gr- best ways. And you can't say and nothing about the art. Great scrochy sketchy is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That I always say that. Spirit World number two from DC Comics, written by Alyssa Spirit Wong, World. art by Hanning. This is about a character who can transfer herself, transfer herself, travel from the spirit world to the regular world. Um, she is trying to track down what happened to Cassandra Kane, Batgirl, who is trapped in the spirit world currently with the help of Constantine. Um, and they do, in fact make some travels. I've run out of words at this point. What do yeah. you guys think? About this uh, well, a great Constantine book. Uh, Pete, uh, back me up on this. Also, we give a back girl, Cassandra Kane, also hanging out. This has some nice, uh, larger implications, nice family story here, which I really liked. Uh, this is more, much more than I expected. I like the connections to the larger DC universe here and sort of the, the spirit world to regular world, um, transportation. So. 
Uh, yes, I'd like to back up the truck first and just talk about the covers here. There's some amazing covers, especially that dragon one. I mean, come on, that's beautiful stuff. That is some real art. Um, yeah, just super cool, fun. I mean, the Constantine, you had me at Constantine. This is just such a fun uh, team up with crazy monsters, magic, and weird stuff. It's very exciting, very creative. I loved it. Last but not least, let's talk about Savage Squad 6, number one. This is out June 28th, so we'll try to keep mm. it spoiler-free. Oh, but God, spoiler coming out, free it. Dark, Dark Horse Comics, written by Robert Venditti, art by Brockton McKinney. Uh, this is a group of women who are all battle-trained and hardened and mm-hmm. going on some mm-hmm. missions. I thought this was a lot of fun. What do you guys think? Yeah, all these characters are very cool. I am curious. It feels like there's, uh, and uh, and I won't say much because I don't want to blow it up. But like, it, there's a, a very much an established situation, and I want to undercut it a little bit because every character feels like they have like something boiling underneath the surface, and I look forward to finding out what that is. Yeah, you got a ragtag team here. This is very exciting. I love all the violence, all the action. It's hard not to spoil stuff, but man, uh, very, very cool. Interesting. Also kind of got like that 90s vibe to it a little bit. Of, uh, uh, like Tank Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for more and I'm trying really hard not to spoil things. Yeah, I think the one thing, and I'm sure this is the thing that you're kind of bouncing around, but it has a absolutely wild last page that really yes. changes everything you thought yes. about yeah. the book. Um, the art on it is phenomenal, and that's that's great. It's great to have a great hook there that changes what you thought was going on in the previous pages. So very excited to read the series ongoing. And if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Every Facebook Tuesday? And every Tuesday. Most Tuesdays. Facebook and YouTube. We'll probably take July 4th off. Let's be honest. Uh, hey, oh, thank God. What, a, what an announcement. Yeah, anyway. uh, big announcement coming over here. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more on Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. I just got my results. I'm only 2% that bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I guess we're not related. Better luck next time, Deacon Frost. (laughs)